being flashed around the world. And a card that's being played, and it's called racism. And you need to understand, we're a multiracial fellowship. Most places I preach, I'm in the minority. In my own church, I'm a minority. And so I want to address this from Galatians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is ministering. Verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. Father, we come tonight by the blood of the Spirit of God. I thank you for these men and women, God. I thank you for those that are sacrificing, giving their lives for kingdom business. I pray tonight, God, that we would break down barriers, that truth would bring deliverance. Give us revelation that we might see, God, your possibilities. I pray this body would be of one mind and one cord. I cast down strife and discord, envy and jealousy. And I pray blessing, God, and double portion upon these people. God, we thank you for them. Jesus' name, amen. First of all, we have a multiracial vision. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, these two terms capture humanity. All the world and every creature. This word creature, it comes from the word creation. In other words, what he's saying what humanity that God has created, every human being, no matter the color of their skin, their culture, their tribe, God says, I want you to reach them. world is filled with God's creation, His design in humanity. At the great white throne, when you read in the book of Revelations, verse 7 of chapter 9, And after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. And it says, of all the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, uh, with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10, crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne of and to the Lamb. In other words, here he uses this terminology, all nations, tribes, people, and tongues. Revelations 5, 9, they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. 
You and I this evening are called and commissioned by God to preach this glorious gospel and proclaim the salvation of Jesus to every kindred, every tongue, every nation, every race, every tribe of people. That's you and I. That's our vision. That was Pastor Mitchell's vision. That's our heart. And I trust tonight that's your heart. Mark 13, 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And so if the Bible was written today, they would have probably used this word instead of kindred, tongue, tribe, and people. They would have probably said to every race. In other words, a race, this word means belonging to any ethnic group. It's called distinction of color. The color of skin, geographic or national, by language, tribal, ancestors, clan, caste, and custom. There's a modern term here today called people groups. Again, this is referring to the ethnic or the tribal. It has to do with language. It has to do with culture, your foods. It has to do with mindset, the foundations of your mind, your values, how you view people and life. They're talking about 16,000 people groups. The politically correct term would probably be a multicultural vision or fellowship. As I said, most of my preaching, when I preach around the world, I'm in the minority. I just recently, just a few months ago in Lagos, Nigeria for their Bible conference. And Pastor Glenn Abato, he is the leader in Nigeria. And he says, as a pastor, he says, um, I understand the black culture because I'm a Nigerian. But he says, I'm English in my mannerisms because I was raised in England. That makes me flexible and adaptable in how I pastor and how I relate. In that Bible conference I was in, Bimble and Mary Hagan do it there. Uh, they're out of our church. Uh, they're pastoring in Vestek. Um, uh, they've been there five years, just launched their first church. Uh, and they're from Lusaka, Zambia. In that Bible conference, there was delegates from Arari, Zimbabwe, Togo, Ghana, Cameroon. Some of them spoke French. They're interpreting in French. I came home from that conference on Saturday. The following Monday, I went to Guangzhou, China, the first Bible conference we've had in China. And here's this massive country that has seven main dialects and language. In that conference, they're speaking Mandarin, Cantonese, and Hokkien. In that conference, here are these Chinese people. And yet those raised in the major cities or close to Hong Kong are totally different in culture and mindset than those raised in the far corners of, or in the villages. Now, I'm in that Bible conference. I'm looking around. Here's Pastor Hank. Uh, he's uh, from Holland. He's a Dutchman. He's the leader. Alan Azir is there with me. Here's an Indian from Malaysia, one of the guest speakers. Ed and Jessica Botnicki out of our church, uh, they're Americans, they're there pioneering, um, and I'm being 
translated by a Chinese man that was saved in Melbourne, Australia, discipled there. He's pastoring in Macau, and he's translating for me. Now, you figure all of that out. But wait. I went to England. Pastor Nigel Brown there. His church is probably six, seven hundred people. And there might be three white families in the whole church. They're all, all black. But wait a minute. Just because they're black doesn't mean they're of the same race or culture. There's Nigerians. Uh, they're from Ghana. They're from Guyana, Ivory Coast, Jamaica, Trinidad. Either their parents or the children migrated. Uh, and so from the outside, uh, they may look like they're all of one kindred, tribe, or tongue. Uh, uh, but when you peel that back, uh, they're totally different in culture. What I'm saying uh, is our fellowship uh, has a multi-racial vision for the nations of the earth. I go to Holland Conference every year in February. Here's this huge crowd basically white faces. But you look over and they got about six translation booths. Um, uh, there are people there from Russia. They're from Poland, Lithuania, Romania, Bulgaria, Germany, Sweden, Spain, the Netherlands. Um, totally different in food, totally different in language, um, totally different mindsets, dress, uh, uh, customs. It goes on and on and on. And what's so powerful, in that place, here we are from all of these different corners of the earth, and we're worshiping God together. We're having fellowship together. We're in the prayer room together. We're cross-pollinating. And I want to tell you that pleases God. Last year I did four conferences in Mexico. Four different conferences in Mexico. This is powerful with God because it's a vision from God. I want you to go to all the races. We looked at eternity. Here they are in heaven from every kindred, tongue, tribe, and people worshiping together. I want to tell you, if you're racist, you're wicked. God hates racism. You are sitting tonight. I just was in our Bible conference. I preached this sermon Saturday. Uh, not in our Bible conference, but in the men's rally. And uh, here is this multiracial fellowship and churches. In our church in Chandler, pastors come from around the world. Pastor Poppy Ross, different ones from here in India, ministered in our church and our Bible conference. We have speakers from Africa, India, Russia. Ari Aragon from the Navajo Reservation there uh, comes um, from England. Um, I could go on and on across Asia from, I mean, every shade of color and personality and culture. And I'm often asked, uh, because when you look across our congregation, uh, uh, here are Native Americans. Here's Hispanics from Mexico. Here's Mexicans raised in the United States. We have a huge black revival. We have Chicanos. Uh, uh, we have some Filipinos. Uh, I could go on and on, and then there's me. 
And they asked me, they said, Pastor, how did you build this multiracial church? And my response is, uh, what, what are you talking about? Who? Where? But I want to say it didn't just happen. It's quite rare in America and around the world. For you to see what you see in this place tonight and where I go, barriers must be broken. Paul addresses this issue in Galatians 3, 10 and 11. He gives us insight. He said, you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. There's a spiritual arm curtain of racism that must be broken for you and I to fulfill the Great Commission and see what God would do. Paul is addressing this demonic barrier. He said there's neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised. What he's talking about is the Jews had a racial barrier. Jews are highly racist. They thought they were exclusive. They were prejudiced. There was racial segregation. In other words, this meant they would isolate and exclude people of a different color or a different race. They were unrational. They were opinionated in advance when it came to other races. They had these preconceived opinions because of the color of someone's skin or their culture, their food, or their dress, or their mindset. The Jews thought they were superior because of race. Peter, God has to deal with Peter, and he has to deal with you and I. Here is Peter, he's on the housetop praying. God wants to break across the barrier into the Gentile world. There's a sheet comes down from heaven. Three times God says, take and eat. Acts 10 verse 12. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to Peter, rise Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. The real issue was not just what he was eating, but God was trying to give him an illustrated sermon. I want you to break through this Jewish barrier, and I want you to go to the house of Cornelius. He's a Roman. There's racism. There's prejudice. There's going to be a knock at the door. Peter later, verse 28, he's at the house of Cornelius. Then he said to them, you know how? It's unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with or go into one of another nation. But God has shown me I should not call any man common or unclean. Let me ask you tonight. Are you a racist? Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you racist? Does God need to show you something this evening? This is where you allow skin color or nationality to dictate 
your decision and your relationship and how you view that person. In our conference in August, there was a man who wore a t-shirt. He wore it all week. I'm not Hispanic. I'm not Latino. I'm Mexican. Now, I understand having some national pride and etc. But this man's been in the church for years. He's out of one of our churches in Texas. He's an older man. And one night, uh, Colleen, uh, we had reggae music tonight, and, and one night uh, the band from Colleen played, uh, and they played this salsa, this uh, uh, music, and he jumps up, here's our conference body, you've probably seen it on, on, the, on the web and stuff, he begins to run back and forth across the front of the building, he's trying to get everybody to stand, he's pumping this, and etc. I leaned over to his pastor, and I said, I want you to tell him, when he gets his own conference, he can do that. But he's not doing that in my conference. I said, because we have people, we, we have all kinds. We have country western. Uh, we have rap music. We have uh, a gospel. I mean, it's unending. Uh, but here's a man, uh, and what he's trying to do, he's trying to play a race card. There's a term playing the race card. This is another form of racism. This is where I've seen pastors, national pastors, when they're in rebellion and they want to rip off a church. I dealt with this, Alan remembers a number of years ago in Malaysia. The pastor was Chinese. He was immoral. I had to discipline him. I'm having to deal with this man. We've invested. I've invested my life. Uh, God only knows how much financially. Ministry coming for years. Now the church uh, has grown about 300 people. They own property. It's unending. He wants to rip all of this off. Uh, and he plays the race card. Who is this American? He doesn't understand you. You need to stick with your own race, son. You need to stick with your own color. He, and, and I understand. And he played this card, um, and it's an easy card to play. Today, though, those people he ripped off, that property ripped off. Uh, they, I, the last time I was there, there were seven people in the church. Now they've lost the property. Played the race card leader in Australia had to be recently disciplined. He tried to play that card. It's an easy card to play. They built a new Hispanic church next to ours, a Spanish Assembly of God. We have about 140, 160 uh, people in our church that don't speak any English. Uh, very little English. We have become a bilingual ministry. They begin to try to solicit our, these people. And they would come to them and say, you need to be with your own people. We understand you. You need to come and join us. And there was two couples left that went to that church. You know what? Today that church isn't even there. Collapsed. Who is that white man that you're pastor? Can I be real with you tonight? Amen. I'm not getting many amens, so I must be on the mind of God. Listen to me carefully. We have a pastor. His name is Mikhail Baldwin. 
He's been in prison. He's a black man. He's been in prison for years. He gets out, comes to church. His wife is Hispanic. Her name is Ray. She got powerfully converted. Her whole family, they're all... Uh, I, I preached her grandmother's funeral. And here I'm looking out across this crowd and they're all in ankle bracelets. What an ankle bracelet is, in the States when you're in prison, one of your family members die, they put this tracking device on you. They call it an ankle bracelet. And you can go, but they can track you electronically so you can't escape. And I remember being in that and God gave me favor. The whole, they all got saved. The whole thing. Some guy spoke before me, said nothing. I got up, I said, I'm going to go forward, preach Jesus. Uh, you can be saved, born again. God can set you free. They all got saved. But her husband, uh, Pastor Ortiz, was my assistant at the time. He's a Puerto Rican. Uh, and he thought Ortiz was the pastor. When he came to church, he saw me. This white man, this old white man. He told his wife, I'm not going to that church. I'm not going to sit in that wife. Six months he didn't come. All the while he had this black prophet. Uh, uh, this man had a barber shop. Mikel did. And so uh, this black prophet so called. He's selling him holy water. Prosperity water. Uh, there it is. Uh, 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 barber shop. Uh, washing the floor with blessing. And all kinds of stuff. Listen to me. When I prepared this message. Mikhail finally came after six months. He got powerfully saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, began to live for God. We launched him and his wife to Georgetown, Guyana. They're missionaries there. They came back from Georgetown. He's pastoring a powerful work on the East Coast. He's preached in the Philippines. He's preached in Arusha, Tanzania, Africa. He's preached in Dominican Republic. He's launching churches. Just a few weeks ago, he was in the East Coast Conference. He's preaching in the East Coast Conference in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Pastor Mitchell is sitting there. He said, I don't know who that man is, but that's a Joe Camel disciple. Now think with me. All of that could have been aborted. Because of racism. Can you grasp that? Georgetown, Guyana, preaching in Africa, Philippines, across the U.S., Dominican Republic, a, a conference speaker, powerful church. His destiny, hell tried to abort his destiny using racism. If you're not careful, Hell will abort your destiny because of racism. There's cultural barriers. He said there's neither Greeks nor Scythians, barbarians. The Greeks, they were the culture center of the world. In their mind, they were the scholars. They were the aristocrats. They had the money. And the Scythians, they were barbarians. Today, it's people who because they have some kind of status uh, or they have some kind of position uh, or they, we would call it maybe class, uh, they think they're better than you. The Scythians, they called them wild beasts. They were savages. Uh, it's where you think you're better than someone else. 
because of your education, your status. You've been given an advantage because of your parents or your looks or your talents or your gifting. Stacy Diller, Pastor Stacy Diller, who's in Malaysia, missionary in Africa, pastoring in California now. Scotty Pippen was an NBA superstar. He played with the Chicago Bulls. Stacy saw him in the airport and he went up and said, Scotty. And Scotty Pippen looked at him. Said, There's no Scotty here. Don't know any Scotty. Give him a look like he was stupid and walked away. That's cultural racism. Class barriers, neither slave nor free. In India, you have the whole caste system. The, the thought, never marry below your caste. They're trying to dissolve this. This is where there's a distinction because of birth or wealth or religion. The Brahma, the priestly caste. The nobility, the warriors, the professionals, the tradesmen. The servants, the common laborers, then the unclean. This affects marriage. It affects mindsets, meals, religion. In Malaysia, when I was there, pioneering the church in Malaysia, they have English services. They have Tamil services for the Indians, Chinese service for the Chinese. I said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. I refuse to do that. We begin to reach into the various areas. We begin to bring Indian people up. We begin to bring Chinese that couldn't speak English up. We got headphones up. And I'm telling you, there was such a powerful blessing. Had this one family, he had a Mercedes. And he would go on Sunday with this Mercedes up into what they called a squatter's village and pack it with poor people. This man was the vice president. Farm Bureau, a huge insurance corporation, and he's taking his automobile, and I'm telling you, revival broke out, and God blessed and multiplied. Listen, there's an incredible blessing on any congregation, or any minister, or any fellowship, and we will lay aside racism and prejudice. Do you think you're better than other people? You become cynical because of your gift, your talent, or your ability, or your position, or the family you were born to, or you've had the privilege of being educated or what. Do you think you, that gives you the right to look down on God's creation? Does that give you the right to look at someone because they're a darker color or a lighter color? And you play this race card. Let me close this evening. There's many races, many nations, many tongues, but we are one culture and one family under the living God. Galatians 3.28, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Galatians 3.11, but Christ is all in all. 
as I said, much of the blessing that's been on our fellowship. We have more churches international than we have in the U.S. by far. These men speaking this week, the guest speakers, both have been missionaries. They've lived in foreign countries. Pastor, here's the islands of the Pacific, Pastor Cluck. Pastor Siebel just returned from South Africa. Even in the States, I pastor a church and there's every shade, form, there's every race, every background. People come from the streets. People come from prison. We had a woman some time ago in our church. Her mother got saved. Her mother got saved. She had been in prison for like nine years. Her daughter, who was like 13 years old, she left her to the streets. She put her in prison. The mother has two sons. Both of them were doing life in prison. This mother comes in. She is messed up. She is bound. She gets saved, needs a place to stay. We have a sergeant with the police department, Sonny Wilkins. I put her in Sonny's house. She had no clue. She's come from prison. She's going to move into a policeman's house. She's there. She looks on the wall, and here's these wards of Sonny in her uniform. She calls me, Pastor, Bell, what have you done? You put me in a policeman's house. She lived for God. She's married today. Her daughter, who she forsook when they put her in prison when she was 13, her daughter grew up on the streets, addicted, 26 years old. She comes into the church, I'm watching her. Her teeth, she's hooked on crack and crystal meth. She's hyping all over the place. Her teeth are clicking. Her eyes, you know, she's hyping bad. Enough. She comes to the altar. She just bouncing all over the place. And I went over to her and I said, Dear, listen, God's going to set you free. Pray for her in a moment of time. The curse was broken up. The blood of Jesus flooded her soul up. If he was in our church tonight, here's this beautiful family worshiping God. A blessed by God. A employed, excelling in life. Listen, it does not matter your background. It does not matter your race. A life may have written you off. You may come from some kind of dysfunctional hole. You may have never had an advantage in your life. But listen, in this Bible and in our fellowship, you can be what God has called you to be. Would you give God praise? We have all kinds of outreaches. We do game plays to reach the game makers. We do Cinco de Mayo. This is a, a Mexican uh, uh, a national day. We do a black history play. Native American. We just had in our extreme scene over 40. My wife was in the Saturday night scene. She's 66. I said, honey, uh, they could have added a couple of decades to that over 40 years old and you could have still been involved. Why is that? Trying to break through barriers. When I was in Europe recently, the headlines, England and Europe, listen to these words. The country's attempt to create a multicultural society has failed. 
What they were talking basically is the Muslims, they've embraced them from around the world, thinking they're going to create, and, 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 and there's, there's terrorists and riots and etc. But that's not true in the church. Listen to me, God hates racism. Stacy Dillard, many of you may know Stacy, he's, he's a black man, married to Daphne, she's a Hispanic lady. Uh, I remember Stacy New Convert, our song leader, uh, an excellent young man, just, just a quality, quality young man. Uh, as I said, been a missionary, pastor, and etc. His father came to our church. He looked around, here's a religious man, been to churches all over America. He looked around at our congregation and all the different colors, all the different races, all the different backgrounds. And he, son, he said, son, my God, I've never seen this. How do you keep these people from killing one another? He said, dad, it's because we're saved. You see, what it takes is acceptance. It takes love. It takes forgiveness. That's the heart of God. Jesus with the woman at the well. The woman of Samaria. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They wouldn't even step on Samaritan soil because they thought they were cursed. Samaritans were like dogs. Jesus said, I must go through Samaritan. They wouldn't eat with a Samaritan. They were unclean. Jesus in John 4, he's with this woman at the well. It's the sixth hour of the day. It's a good time. It's not a time when women came to the well. She was an outcast. Because she had had five husbands and the man she was living with was not alone. Listen to Jesus. Verse 9, he says, he had asked her for a drink of water. Her response, you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus begins to try to win her to himself, and she begins to say all of these religious things. He said, no, the real problem, you've had five husbands. The one you now have is not your own husband, verse 18. And the disciples came back and they marveled. They were blown away. Jesus had stepped through a barrier. But that woman went into the city. She was the key to revival. She brought the whole city out to hear what he has to say. Listen, you never know who you're talking to. You have to look beyond the outward uh, you have to look at what God can do with the human heart. Jesus touched the lepers. He ate with sinners. He healed a Roman servant. He called Matthew a tax collector. He intervened with a woman caught in adultery. What about you? Are you racist? You play the race card when it's your advantage. I was in this Bible conference a number of years ago. Pastor Ruby Ellis was the leader at that time. Alan and Joanne, their family was here. I had no clue this what was happening. We're sitting in the front rows. Pastor Ruby Ellis came to me after the morning seminars. He said, Pastor Campbell, 
you won't, you won't, you don't understand. The whole conference lobby is talking about what just happened. And I'm, I'm what happened? He said, what happened this morning was worth more than a thousand sermons. I said, what happened? He said, when Pastor Allen's daughter in the morning seminars, she got tired, she's a child, you know, she's been here. She got up and she went over, climbed up in your lap, put her head on your shoulder, and went to sleep. He said, these people were watching that. He said, I had disciples, I had family members, different ones, they came to me, and it, it broke a racial barrier. So that Pastor Allen and his family could have that kind of relationship with you. Their daughter felt so comfortable. You were like her grandfather. They said, there's hope for us. This man loves us. Listen to me, listen to me. Jesus said, He takes your sin, your past, cast it into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Your past does not intimidate God. God is concerned with your destiny and so are we and so are these men and so is our fellowship. Listen, you're here tonight. Does it matter what society may have labeled you with? Does it matter family may have ostracized you? You may look at yourself and say, I have nothing to offer. I have no advantage. But listen, in God, all things are possible you can do something mighty and powerful for God. Listen, but you're going to have to break through. You're going to have to fight. It's a spirit of the last days. And if you will, there's an incredible blessing that comes upon that. What about you today? What about you? Do you see people? Or do you see color? Do you see the kingdom of God? Or do you see nationalism? Or caste? Or tribalism? What do you see? Jesus said, lift up your eyes. He said this about Samaritans. After the Samaritan woman came in, and Jesus looked at his head and lift up your eyes. The fields are white to be hard. You don't realize that's against everything the Jew believed about the Samaritans. I challenge you tonight. I challenge you. I plead with you. Encourage you to embrace the revelation of every kindred, tongue, tribe, nationality.